Hello, 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 and welcome, welcome, welcome to our Sunday Dialogue and our Black History Month presentation. As we get started, I want to say, first of all, thank you to our partners, thank you to our intercessors, and thank you to those who are co-laborers who continually, consistently support our ministry. I want to say thank you to the partners that are in other parts of the world besides the United States who are taking time to learn about Black history and mainly, and most importantly, Black American history. We know that there have been efforts to suppress, to oppress, and to minimize the truth about our nation's history. I want to say thank you for taking the time to involve yourself in self-education, study, and reflection. So as we go into our time of presentation, join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for justice. Thank you, Father God, for all of the ways in which you empower us to live not only for the life to come, but to live in this present day and age. Let the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart, the recitations that we hear and receive today, let it be what is pleasing and acceptable to you, our God, our Heavenly Father, our creator of all things. It is in your son Jesus' name that we pray, that we believe, and that we receive. We pray that this words, that this program today will impact lives in a positive way. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to start by singing a portion of the Black National Anthem, Lift Every Voice and Sing. Psalm 148 in verse 13 says, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and the heaven. I will be singing out of the African American Heritage Hymnal. Hymnal 540. Lift every voice and sing. Till earth and heaven ring, ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as a listening sky. Let it resound loud as the roaring sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song. Full of the hope that the present has brought us Facing the rising sun of our new day begun Let us march on till victory is one God of our weary 
hears God of our silent tears, Thou who hast brought us thus far on the way, Thou who hast by Thy might led us into the Keep us forever in your path, we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places our God where we met thee. Lest our hearts drunk with the wine of the world we forget thee. Shadowed beneath thy hand may True to our God, true to our native land. Let us read now, Litany number 57. O oh God, you have heard the anguished cries of our ancestors. Their sounds echo and penetrate time to remind us of our four parents who were brutally captured and forcibly enslaved as they left the peaceful womb of their African homeland. Stony the road we trod. Oh God, you have seen the millions of bodies buried beneath the tumultuous waves of the deep. Bodies of African men and women who held the seeds of greatness. You have seen women's dreams for a united family vanish as they were sold at auction blocks. You've seen the legacy of the African-American family decimated and demeaned by those who have attempted to control our destiny. Bitter the chastening rod felt in the days when hope unborn had died. Oh God, you have ignited the sparks within us into a blazing demand for freedom, equality, and justice. This quest cost Harriet Tubman sleepless nights as she led her people to freedom. It was an equality that Rosa Parks and civil rights activists fought for and gave their lives for. It was a justice that Martin Luther King Jr. stood for as thousands stood with him at the Lincoln Memorial. Yet with a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers sighed. Oh God, you have seen our tears. You have been pained by the evil in human hearts. Yet you loved humanity enough that you sent your only son to identify with the outcast, the marginalized and rejected. As the cries of Jesus pierced our hearts, so have the cries of your people, cries from different cultures and different languages. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears. Oh God, you answered us during our exodus from Africa. You wiped every teardrop during our exile and captivity. Our foreparents dared to dream 
that one day on these shores, we would become politicians and preachers and educators, doctors and writers and architects, scientists and artists, and so much more. Lest our feet stray from our places, our God, where we met thee. Our ancestors' hard work, their courage, their convictions, and their belief in you paved the way for our emancipation and education. But it is clear, you have liberated us. You have set us free, free at last, free at last. We walk in the power of God Almighty to be an exercise, freedom at last. Shadow beneath your hand, may we forever stand true to our God and true to our native land. Take a moment to just think about that litany. Take a moment to rest in the fact that because of the prayers of our ancestors, that because of their hope, that because of their faith, that because of their belief in a better tomorrow, we stand here today. Is the work done? Absolutely not. Do we have more work to do as a people, as a body of believers? Absolutely yes. But we cannot discount the prayers and the effectiveness of the prayers and the work and the strategies of those who came before us. We offer a praise and we thank God for our ancestors. We thank God for their struggle. We thank God for their legacy of righteousness and seeking after justice and equality, knowing for some of them that if they could not see it in their generation, that there would come a generation that would be able to be free and to freely speak and to freely declare that they are human beings worthy of dignity, honor, and respect. Amen. I will now read for you the poem, The Creation by James Weldon Johnson. The Creation, a Negro Sermon. And God stepped out on space and he looked around and said, I'm lonely, I'll make me a world. And as far as the eye of God could see, darkness covered everything. Blacker than a hundred midnights down in a cypress swamp. Then God smiled and light broke. And the darkness rolled up on one side and the light stood shining on the other. And God said, that's good. Then God reached out and took the light in his hands and he rolled the light around in his hands until he made the sun. And he set that sun ablazing in the heavens and the light that was left from making the sun God gathered up in a shining ball and flung against the darkness, spangling the night with the moon and stars. Then down between the darkness and the light, he hurled the world. And God said, that's good. Then God himself stepped down and the sun was on his right hand and the moon was on his left. And the stars were clustered about his head and the earth was under his feet. And God walked and where he trod, his footsteps hollowed the valleys out and bulged the mountains up. Then he stood and looked and saw that the earth was hot and barren. So God stepped over to the edge of the world and he spat out the seven seas. He batted his eyes and the flashing of lights flashed. He clapped his hands and the thunders rolled and the waters above the earth came down. 
the cooling waters came down. Then the green grass sprouted and the little red flowers blossomed. The pine tree pointed his finger to the sky and the oak spread out his arms. The lake cuddled down to the hollows of the ground and the rivers ran down to the sea. And God smiled again and the rainbow appeared and curled itself around his shoulders. Then God raised his arm and he waved his hand over the sea and over the land and he said, bring forth, bring forth. And quicker than God could drop his hand, fishes and fowls and beasts and birds swam the rivers and the seas, roamed the forests and the woods and split the air with their wings. And God said, that's good. Then God walked around and God looked around and on all that he had made, he looked at his sun and he looked at his moon and he looked at his little stars and he looked on his world with all its living things. And God said, I'm lonely still. Then God sat down on the side of a hill where he could think. By a deep wide river, he sat down. With his head in his hands, God thought and he thought till he thought, I'll make me a man. Up from the bed of the river, God scooped the clay. And by the bank of the river, he kneeled him down. And there the great God Almighty, who lit the sun and fixed it in the sky, who flung the stars to the most far corner of the night, who rounded the earth in the middle of his hand, this great God, like a mammy bending over her baby, kneeled down in the dust, toiling over a lump of clay, till he shaped it in his own image. Then into it he blew the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Amen. Amen. Selah. Poetry by James Weldon Johnson. And now, as we said in our theme, that we are moving forward by faith and truth, I will read for you The Founding Fathers and Enslavement by Jasmine L. Holmes. Following this, Apostle Robert will come and lead us in our prayer for our nation, our nation's soul and the soul of Black America. The Founding Fathers and Slavery. The Founding Fathers themselves held a deep disdain of slavery, even those who owned enslaved people themselves. It is worth stopping to reflect on the fact that the architects of what is often cited as the freest nation in the world made a place that in that nation for chattel slavery, even when they clearly knew it was wrong. In fact, in the famed Lincoln-Douglas debates, Lincoln himself cited the Founding Fathers as detesters of the institution. His assertion is well documented. George Washington once wrote, there is not a man living who wishes more sincerely than I do to see a plan adopted for the abolition of slavery. John Adams wrote, every measure of prudence therefore ought to be assumed for the eventual total extirpation of slavery from the US. I have through my whole life held the practice of slavery in such abhorrence. Benjamin Franklin said, slavery is such an atrocious debasement of human nature. Thomas Jefferson had originally written a scathing passage about slavery into the Declaration 
Declaration of Independence. This is what he wrote. He has waged cruel war against human nature itself, violating its most sacred rights of life and liberty in the persons of a distant people who never offended him, captivating and carrying them into slavery in another hemisphere or to incur miserable death in their transportation. This piratical warfare, the opprobrium of infidel powers, is the warfare of the Christian king of Great Britain. Determined to keep open a market where men should be bought and sold, he has prostituted his negative for suppressing every legislative attempt to prohibit or restrain this commerce, and that this assemblage of horrors might want no fact of distinguished die. He is now exciting those very people to rise in arms among us and to purchase that liberty of which he has deprived them by unaliving the people on whom he has obtruded them, thus paying off former crimes committed against the liberties of one people with the crimes which he urges them to commit against the lives of another. Well, that was taken out. This attempt to place the blame for slavery at the feet of the English was perhaps a response to Englishmen who had pointed out the irony of America battling for independence while holding other people in bondage. English Tory Samuel Johnson wrote, quote, How is it that we hear the loudest yelps for liberty among the drivers of Negroes? And Thomas Paine asked of Americans with what consistency or decency they complain so loudly of attempts to enslave them while they hold so many hundred thousands in slavery. And Richard Wells, a visiting merchant doing business in Philadelphia, observed, were the colonists as earnest for the preservation of liberty as they claimed to be, they would enter into a virtuous and perpetual resolve neither to import nor to purchase any enslaved persons introduced among them. The founders understood this hypocrisy as well as their critics. Jefferson again wrote, And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are of the gift of God, that they are not to be violated but with his wrath? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep, forever. Often these quotes are used to exonerate the founding fathers for allowing enslavement to continue in their new nation. Surely they always meant for slavery to end. They just had other more pressing concerns to attend to. Thomas Jefferson would not only hold enslaved people at his expansive home in Monticello, he would father children with his wife's teenage half-sister Sally Hemmings whom he owned. George Washington's enslaved workforce would be freed after his death, but before then, the Pennsylvania enacted a law that would set the enslaved free after six months of residence. Washington would move his enslaved persons from Philadelphia back to Virginia to cheat the residency requirement. And Patrick Henry admitted openly that slavery was for him just a matter of convenience, saying, it is not a little surprising that the professors of Christianity, whose chief excellence consists in softening the human heart and in cherishing and improving its finer feelings, should encourage a practice so totally repugnant to the first impressions of right and wrong. 
what adds to the wonder is that this abominable practice has been introduced in the most enlightened of ages. Times that seem to have pretensions to boast of high improvement in the arts and sciences and refined morality have brought into general use and guarded by many laws a species of violence and tyranny, which are more rude and barbarous, but more honest ancestors detested. Is it not amazing that at a time when the rights of humanity are defined and understood with precision in a country above all others that is fond of freedom, that in such an age and in such a country we find men professing a religion the most humane, mild, gentle, generous, adopting a principle as repugnant to humanity as it is inconsistent with the Bible and destructive to liberty? Every thinking, honest man rejects it in speculation. How few in conscientious motives. Would anyone believe I am master of slaves of my own purchase? I am drawn along by the general inconvenience of living here without them. I will not, I cannot justify it. However, culpable my conduct, I will so far pay my devour to virtue as to own the excellence and rectitude of her precepts and lament my want of conformity to them. It is not hard to imagine that the man who owned Elizabeth Freeman held these two truths in conflict in his own heart as well. The God-given freedom of the declaration he was signing along with the reality of the convenience of being a slaveholder. I've read for you The Founding Fathers in Slavery by Jasmine L. Holmes. At this time, Apostle Robert is going to come and share as the Lord is leading him in prayer and any other uh, message that he wants to share at this time. Good afternoon, gentlemen, ladies, uh, humans of God's great creation and wonderful uh, design. The beauty of today is understanding that we are fearfully and we are wonderfully made in the image of Christ. It is so exciting to know and to understand the greatness of who Christ made us to be, okay? Um, we are created in the image of God. Yes. We were created from the dust, from the dust of the earth. We're created from the ground that God created. So the one thing we can understand here is that I am so excited to really get into this uh, a little bit here. Um, <sighs> Praise Jesus is Black History Month. A month that we're here to celebrate the life, the legacy, the history of those who have originated from Africa with brass colored 
the range of brass and bronze and brown skin. Actually, in honesty, it's such a difficult month to deal with because we actually had to set out this month for black history because black history, the origination of humanity has been erased or instilled in the process of being erased from the history books under attack. The lies, you know, the God said we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So the visceral attacks upon black skin, brown skin, is something we have to understand that it is not from God. Politics, religion, government, wealthy leaders are continuing to allow forces that are not of God to push them in a diminishing in in a, in a fashion to steal, kill, and destroy that which God has made in his image. I want to read this passage here real quickly. I just had it. Go back to it. Um, out of Revelation 1. I won't be long, trying to be long. I'm going to get to this prayer. I'm glad you're listening. All right. Listen. Uh, I'll start at verse 9. This was John the Revelator who had a direct visual personal experience with the glorified nature of God and his son, Christ Jesus. I, John, your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom of patience of Christ Jesus, was on the island that was called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Christ Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard, behold, a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardius, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Then I turn to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, sometimes you got to turn and see when the Lord is present. Oh, that's another thing here. I turned and saw seven gold lampstands. In the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, human, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes like a flame of fire. 
His feet were fine as were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. His voice, the sound of many waters. I'll stop there. Let me go back. Let me go down to verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell to his feet as did. But he laid his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. So this is such powerful reading. This is not philosophy. This is a testimony and the account of an experience with our risen Christ, our Savior. We have to understand, hair like wool. This Lord just happened to do this here real quickly. Hair like wool. I want to show you what hair like wool looks like. You see that? The three versions. There's hair that looks like wool. That's woolly hair. That is from the very account, the direct account of John as he looked and saw the Son of Man, the human being represented as Savior of the world, the Son of Man, Christ Jesus our Lord. Hair like wool. Okay. Feet like brass. Brass. When you look at the color of brass. <sighs> Garnished brass. Burnished brass. 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 Burnished brass let me just enlarge that i'll just let me go back one you can see that closely coming closer burnished brass a lot of pigmentation in burnished brass now the lord began to speak to me and said that john saw First of all, he didn't saw the Son of Man. He saw the Son of Man standing in the midst of a candlestick. So what he was able to see, when you look at it, when you have light in your face, when the seven candlesticks were around, the presence of the Son of Man, his hair looked like his woolly hair looked white, because it was illuminated by the light bearing nature of the lamp. When he looked down and saw his feet, of course, light was around his presence. When he came down, think about it, put a light bulb in front of your face and you will see yourself turn white or your hair turn white. You will see an illumination because the lumens from that fire brings a radiance upon you, just how it was with Moses. Moses' face glowed. Moses Another type of Christ, a Messiah style, for the children of Israel to bring freedom. Those are two examples of the light and the glory of God 
shining upon them. These two men were from Africa. They were not European. They were not quote unquote Middle Eastern. Middle Eastern is a geopolitical term invented by the British through their military for land grabs and acquisitions. All right. We have to understand when John saw the radiant nature of Christ, he did not see what you see in Europe. He was sawing the glory of God in wool hair. Wool hair has a very specific dynamic ethnic makeup to it. When you look at his feet like brass, burnished brass, that is a dark, that's a brownish pigment. That is not consistent with anything you see that is European base has been pushed in the stained glasses of churches, has been pushed in every book. When I first started drawing, I had a big picture Bible book. It was like this fat. And in that picture Bible book, everybody looked like they're from Rome or Scandinavia or Finland. And these were not the characteristics that John the Revelator speaks about. So we have to understand the hatred for Christ. The adversary hated Christ even from his birth. His very life was under attack from being born. Even Moses' life was under attack at the very birth. Because their lives were so potent, that image of God in them was so potent. The leadership, the glory, the kingship that's in them was so potent, represented by that ethnic makeup, was a threat to European-based leadership cycles and territories. So we have to understand that the desire, the push, and the prowess to eviscerate Black life literally goes way back to Moses and to Christ. The adversary does not want that archetype represented by Christ and by Moses authentically depicted in the writings. Look at this. Moses, I mean, excuse me, Christ could not be hid in Egypt if he was European identified, if he identified as European in his image and vision. He was stuck out like a sore thumb. So we have to understand that the hatred for or the, or the strong dislike for African-based history and leadership goes back to Moses, even goes back to Christ. So we have to understand the removal of African presence and influence and phenotype has been a mission of the adversary of God. Because Christ was the very image of God, not just in spirit, 
but he was the express image of God and humanity. And that is an element that religion, that politics, that wealth cannot tolerate. It's the expression of God's glory and God's very image being in what is burnished bronze and woolly hair. So like in Revelation says, let me go, go back and say one more time. This is a Black History Month message of Christ. Look at this. Let's go to, let's go to Revelation 21. I pray that this will shake you loose of Western misinformation presented as something holy. Okay. Uh, Revelation 22. Let me go. Excuse me. 22. All right. Hallelujah. Uh, it went back to the 21. Okay. Stop playing with me, computer. All right. Okay, my tablet is doing something funny. All right. Well, in Revelation 22, it discusses about the fact that no, nothing that enter into heaven that defiles will be there. And it says that all liars will not be a part of that which is of heaven. You can look at it in the Bible, in the, in the physical Bible. All right. So we have to understand is that we have centuries and centuries of misinformation about the two most powerful figures in human history that deals with liberation of humanity. One is in Moses, the other is in Christ. So we have to understand why there was a very push to put forth Black History Month because it is a it is an appetizer attempt to express the life and the history success you know and the, the abolition efforts and the toils and the trials that have come forth from those who look like Christ. Take pause in that. Understand. There in Revelations 21, verse 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. Neither whosoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. Black History Month is a very subtle effort to make the truth come forth because the abominational, the abominational work of making a lie has generated for so many centuries that people believe it as holiness and sound doctrine. It is a lie. The destruction of 
Those who look like Christ, woolly hair, burnished uh, skin color, burnished bronze skin color, have been an enemy of the adversary. So we have to understand, we're not just here to talk about black history, but we're here to renounce the lies of religion and government and politics that try to eviscerate the image of Christ, the image of God, as something evil. So in this tenor is what we're going to be praying into today. Praise Jesus. I pray you're getting some out of this here so far. We have to speak the truth. The truth is uncomfortable no matter what. See, and this before I even go into it, virtually every area where there's religion, and the religion that is established, that's institutionalized, is institutionalized by power and money. Those who are in power and those who have the wealth, they're the ones who shape the religion for the masses. We have to understand, if you understand our history, when I talked the whole series about unmasking culture, we understand the work of Sir Francis Bacon and his major attempts at the architect of colonialization in the West. If you study what we've been talking, we talk about King James and how he wanted to have the biggest, most powerful Bible to be English-based so that the power of what this Bible is can be supported with the English subculture, which is European, not African. Because they want to convert it from African writing, Aramaic, and make it English, and, and them having the control over that narrative. So people swear that King James is the righteous one. He was no nothing righteous. It was power and control. So we have to understand the reason why we have Black History Month is to unravel the strongholds of power and control that try to uh, eviscerate God's image in the earth. So let's let us pray. Let me sip some water. Heavenly Father. Woo, we thank you for today. We thank you for this reference to black history and black life. Father, we thank you, Lord, that no one ethnicity is greater than any other ethnicity. Ethnicity. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for making us all. But, Father, we do not deny that the origination of the human species was made in Africa. The growth and development of the human race came from African soil, came from dark-skinned peoples throughout the history of humanity. So, Father, we pray, O oh Lord God, that the image that you have made in the earth for humanity, that it will continue to arise and be told in this truthful fashion even as we express Black History Month. Father, we pray, oh God, that every stronghold, every ruler of darkness, every piece of spiritual wickedness in high places, every doctrine of devil that has made the image of Christ, the authentic image of Christ, 
as something evil, that would that be overturned in the hearts, in the minds, in the institutions, in the psyche of humanity in this hour, we pray in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray, God, for a great sense of repentance throughout religious institutions that have misinformed the world about the image of Christ, about the image of dark-skinned people who originated this planet and human race, the human race on this planet. So, Father, we look Lord God, to you, you said you are the beginning and you are the end. You knew the origination of how you created man. You know what the end of man will be as you transform us all into an eternal space. So, Father, in the beginning, in between the beginning and the end, we pray, oh God, that the end is not here yet. So there is time. There is space, there is opportunity to repent and to right the centuries and centuries, even millennia of wrong that has been done to those who are black. Father, we pray, oh God, that even those who are of Eurocentric backgrounds, who don't have that authentic identity that Christ was represented as, that they would not walk in fear, not walk in misinformation, not walk in pride, not walk in uh, arrogance, but help them to understand, to walk in truth. In the name of Jesus. Father, every abolitionist that has worked to bring Christ into the earth, to bring his message forward, to bring the strengthening and the revival and the empowerment of black, of black humans. Father, continue to shine your light upon that work. Continue to uncover centuries and centuries of truths of the glory that you placed upon the black male and black female. And Father, all these lies, all these misinformation, all these perceptions, all this media uh, 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 war against black humans, Father, let it come to naught in the name of Jesus. This push, and particularly in the United States of America, to erase black history, to ban books, to create laws that re-empower Jim Crow, to re-empower segregation, to re-empower the evisceration of civil rights. We come against those strongholds now in the name of Christ Jesus. Let the light, the lampstand of who you are, continue to light up the hearts and the minds of these leaders of these institutions, so they can make steps to right the wrongs and the lies that have been perpetrated for centuries. Let unjust plans fail. Let unjust plans fail. By the name and the glory of Christ Jesus, our Lord.
And Father, those who are black, who have been subjects of racism and prejudice and and demeaning and all kind of things that are ill towards the identity of humanity that they are. We pray that you will send a deep sense of healing into the hearts of those who are black for this Black History Month. Surround them with those who speak life to them. Let them understand that their life is precious. Their identity is that of Christ. Let the self-hate cease. Let the love of who God created them to be grow in the precious name of Jesus. Let the intelligence and the greatness and the splendor and the power and all of this grace that God has foreordained before the foundation of this world, let it be released in the hearts and released into the earth. In this hour, at this time, we pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for life nations. You protect us as we continue to share your truth and your righteousness regarding the image of those who you created. Father, you said even in the scripture there, you know, in heaven, there was all creeds and ethnicities and all represented in heaven. So, Father, help us for the unifying nature of brethren that's in heaven through different and all the different ethnicities represented there. Let that be a fullness of representation even down here on earth. We just pray for racism to cease. We pray for gaslighting to cease against those who bring truth about racism to the earth. Protect those who are on the who do the work of abolition, who do the work of bringing truth bearers about the history and the lives of black humans. The greatness that has come forth, the intelligence, the work ethic, the efforts, all of the greatness that occurred even before that 1619 period when Africans were colonized and hoarded up as animals and packed onto ships and put over into a place that was stolen to be considered subservient, to be considered subhuman. Lord, a race that stained Oh God, erase the callous that's over that reality so that the truth can be known about how evil that is. No nation built upon slavery is glorious in your eyes. So free us from everything that has the intent or the will or desire to re-enslave during this month, in the precious name of Jesus, this month forward, in the name of Jesus, this 2024 year. So, Father, those who may not know Christ as Lord and Savior, those who are in religious institutions, those who are in the quote-unquote Christian faith, who do not 
recognize the image of Christ, Lord, let there be a truthful welcome of who you are. As it was with John, the revelator, let it happen across denominations and people groups in this country, on this earth, we pray in the name of Jesus. So Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this truth. And we pray that you just revive the black human to his rightful place on earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So now we're gonna turn it back over to Prophet Shante and she will give you more uh, details for the balance of this message today. All right, thank you so much. God bless you. Amen. The Lord gave me a prophetic song I'm gonna share and then we'll be closing out. I don't sing a sad song, but I sing a glad song. For I know that judgment is coming. No, I don't weep, cause I know that you're not asleep. And your justice will be carried out completely. I trust your hand, for you made man. I trust your heart to see all men made free. No, I don't weep, cause I know you're not a And your justice will be carried out complete. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me wisdom to see things like you do. God, I look to you you where my help comes from give me vision so we'll know just what to do we will love you lord our king and we will love you lord our God, we look to you. We won't be overwhelmed. Give us vision to see things like you do. God, we look to you. You where our help comes from. 
give us vision so we'll know just what to do and i will love you lord my rock and i will love you lord my shield i will love you lord my rock forever lord my king i will worship you we pray that the word and the message today to move forward by faith and by truth that you've been encouraged today to know the word of the Lord, to know God for yourself, to engage even the more in learning the truth about black history and to know the glory of God that lives on the inside of you. Thank you for sharing in our Black History Month uh, presentation today. And we pray that the Lord will continue to bless you and your family. If you would like to give for to our ministry, you can give at dollar sign Life Nation. Thank you again for your time and attention. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.